0: Talking about bless rhythms, um, does anybody know what bless rhythm we're on today? Serve, I heard it. Whoever said it, was that you Mariah? Way to go, awesome. Um, but you know what, uh, it's no surprise that we kind of live in a self-centered culture. Would you guys tend to agree with that? I mean the mantra of our self-centered culture is have it, What? have it your way. And no surprise, this isn't a true Burger King crown, but you know, I got the Burger King crown up here. And that's what, you know, Burger King's mantra is, is like have it your way. And it used to be that it was like the king of burgers. Now it's changed to like, you are now the king. You just have it your way. You are a king. You are a queen. And whatever you want, you know, have it your way. And that's kind of what we say in our world. And, you know, the mantra of a selfish world is, number one, have it your way. But the other thing is, when we put everything through a filter of, what's in it for me? Has anybody ever thought that way or heard somebody say something like that? Like, hey, what's in this for me? Everything I do, you know, I go to job, my job because it pays, right? You know, I'm nice to this person because hopefully I can make a sale to them one day in my career. Or, you know, I'm, I do this because it ultimately, if we are left unchecked, everything we do has selfish implications. And part of that is, is we are all born with this crown, right? Let me say the crown is, that's good. This is the best crown we have, all right? But if I say we're all born with the crown, it means we are all born thinking I am number one, right? I am number one. Like after a child's first words, mom or dad, you want to know at least what my kids are really good at saying? No, or mine, right? They really got mine right away. Like I never had to teach our kids, hey, when other kids come over, I want you to be really selfish with your toys make sure you keep them all to yourself right they just learn that it's part of being born with like a sin nature they're just born selfish if you ever been to a birthday party for like second graders you know they're not letting anybody else go first in the cake line right (laughs) they're rushing to the front of that line because they want to be the first and it's really just um, you know they all think they should be number one. We are all born with a crown. We all think that we are number one. We're out to serve ourselves. And that is what uh, we're talking about day, today is getting rid of that, that we um, should not be first. And we'll be looking at Jesus and seeing what Jesus did as well. But before we get into that, I'll just give a recap of our blessed rhythm. So we're in this series about how to live for Jesus in our everyday lives. And how to share Jesus with others in our everyday lives and this is what we call like the blessed rhythms and so it's not going out and passing out tracts which is totally okay and it's not going out and evangelizing to strangers this is about building relationships with those people in your life to bring them into a relationship with Jesus and to bring them to Jesus Um, the first one we did was begin with prayer and that means be praying for people in your life who don't know Jesus Then it was listen, like listening to people's stories. Uh, Listen well before you talk. Just hear their stories and be great listeners. And last week we talked about eating, using your table as a mission field. Um, Not just your table, but inviting people out, using the dinner table as a metaphor for eating with people, sharing a meal, and caring people that way. And today we're talking about serving. So the people that you've been praying for, Those people that you've been eating with, those people that you've been listening to, and it's talking about this practice of serving those people and making sure that you're finding ways to the people that you're trying to reach for Jesus that you're making a conscious effort to serve them, to serve them. Um, I'm always looking for examples of like living out the blessed rhythms and I'll brag on somebody here at J Road for a second, but this week I got to meet with, uh, and I usually meet, go to their house maybe, not as often as I'd like to, but I've been to their house a lot, but that's Billy and Linda Stafford. You guys know them, right? Like, Linda's always watching online. She can't always be here. Uh, you know, she's many of you guys have been praying for her. She has health things that she can't always be here. But I went to their house and just visited with them, loved, you know, shared time with them and jokes and laughter and even tears but one thing I thought was awesome is they've been following they like they've been listening to the blessed rhythms and listening to what we do but they've been living out the blessed rhythms long before we ever did this message and I know so many of you have but they talked about just many of you know they moved from their previous house into this new neighborhood and if you guys been to their house you know where they live and they, they this neighborhood is like their mission field they're like, when I was there, their neighbors were calling them in the midst of our conversation, asking Linda for help and asking Billy for help, and they would help them and do things for them, and eating with neighbors, listening to neighbors, serving their neighbors in any way that they can. And what, what they shared with me, what I thought was really cool, is one of their neighbors is very elderly, and their family can't always help them, so Billy and Linda have become almost like their second family. And the guy who's in his mid to late 90s said, if you guys didn't live in this neighborhood, I would probably have to live in a retirement home. And he's like, because you live in this neighborhood, I could live in my own home and be as independent as I can be. Because they help him, they serve him, they listen to him, and they're just blessing him. And I thought, that's so awesome. I said, you guys are just doing the blessing of them. And I know we all are to an extent, But you guys are doing these things, and you guys are missionaries, where God has planted you. And I'm like, if you ever wonder, like, hey, you know, was it a mistake to sell our house? It's like, was it a mistake to move? You know, God has planted you here, and you're making an awesome impact. Even if it is just for this one guy, which we know there's many other neighbors that have stories. So keep up the good work. They're doing awesome, being Jesus to their neighbors. so that's what today's rhythm is about, is serving our neighbors. How can we serve our neighbors? Um, and when we talk about serving, if we go down the worldly mantra, we could always ask, hey, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? You know, and I think about it, and I, they would never say that, and they're not even mentioning that, what's in it for me, because there's nothing in it for them. They're serving their neighbors because they love them, right? Like they're not going to get anything from that, and nowhere are they hoping to get anything from that. Um, it's we just serve because that is the Jesus way. Loving people and serving people is the way of Jesus, expecting nothing in return. Look at in Matthew 20 verse 28, and this is one of the things Jesus said that sticks out to me so much when I think about serving. It's, Jesus says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to what? And to give his life as a ransom for many. He's saying, Hey, I already said that before Abraham was, I am. I'm the God of the universe, and I didn't come to earth to be served, which I rightly could have. I actually come to serve others and to be an example. That's why he came. So if Jesus did that, shouldn't we be devoting our lives to serving? Shouldn't not just At a random like maybe leaf blowing event or in every 12th but shouldn't our lives everyday lives be oozing this posture of serving shouldn't this be who we christians are in every area of life serving people and um loving people in that way so i'm gonna read this story from john 13. this is one of my favorite stories in the bible it's actually one of the most important stories um it's after the passover feast after the last supper um, I hinted on it a little bit last week. And many of you know this story, but I'm praying that we read this story with fresh eyes to see what, how Jesus speaks to us through this. Um, but let me read in John 13, 1 through 17, okay? It says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. And the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, and he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who, was, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, uh, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then... Um, Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus replied, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one of you is clean. In verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned um, to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that um, is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And verily, truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him now that you know these things you'll be blessed if you do them let's pray for a second after we read that god um, i pray that the weight of this story um, just uh, is realized in our hearts god um, that you uh, got down on your knees and washed your disciples feet and what that meant and god how we can do like you told your disciples and we could be a servant to others God you had every right <clears throat> to be served and to be lavishly served because you are God but you chose to serve others as an example for us so help us apply this to our lives and I pray that it changes our hearts today in Jesus name Amen so the main point of today is this followers of Jesus must have a posture of serving. All followers of Jesus must have a constant, lifelong, every hour, every day, every minute posture of serving. See, this story of Jesus, there's no way that we can possibly wrap our minds around what happened here with Jesus. It's almost too big for us to even like wrap our mind around and think about what happened here because you have, um, God in flesh is Jesus, who left his throne in heaven, which was perfect and painless, and who created all things by his hand. He came down to live among them. And not only that, he washed their feet. And so when we think about this story and think about like foot washing, as I said in past, I know I've said in past, washing feet was a task that was reserved for the lowest person in the household. Like, they had servants that helped out around the house and did things. The lowest servant was given the task of washing feet because it was so gross. And when we think of feet washing, I mean, you take off, you know, people's shoes and socks here, and they might be a little gross to you, but they ain't gross like it was back then, right? Like, they were walking—everybody walked around barefoot. And if they weren't walking around barefoot, they had sandals on. So their feet were— Gross. They were dirty, you know, everything was done by horses or donkeys, so the, the roads had excrement on the roads. The people would inevitably get pieces on their feet, and their feet were just gross. And so when they would come in for a meal, they would have somebody come in and wash their feet for them. And when Jesus, after supper, took off his clothes and he wrapped a towel around his waist, everybody had to be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the other thing to add to this, that's also hard for us to wrap our mind around, is they lived in what's called the honor and shame culture. And a lot of, you know, cultures in different parts of the world still live in an honor and shame culture. And your honor was considered your credit score. Your honor was considered your credit score. So if you lowered yourself in this way, you were actually lowering your credit score in society. If people saw you on your hands and knees, wash people's feet, your honor score was just lowered. And so what they were saying is they were actually horrified what he was doing. Like, hey, what are you doing? Do you know what you're doing? You're lowering yourself, and and we should be washing your feet. Like, we should be worshiping you. We should be doing this, and you are lowering yourself as, you know, you're a king. We should be worshiping you. And so he did it to show us. He risked He risked all of that to show us who he was. And he wanted to make an example, an extreme picture. And so he took, Jesus took this posture of serving. And so he wanted his followers to take this posture of serving as well. And he asked this question in verse 12. He said, do you understand what I've done for you? Do you understand what I've done for you? And I believe what he's asking is, you know, in a good way for us to understand is, is, is how high is our view of Jesus. And it's trying to like wrap our mind around that. If you think about and take an evaluation of how high your view of Jesus is, is is probably how great of an effect that hearing that Jesus washed feet will have on you, you know? Um, How accurately do we know him? How do we view him? And the higher we magnify Christ in our hearts, the more significant this event becomes. The higher that we lift Jesus up and we know who Jesus is, and we know what he's done, the more significant that this event is, and important it is to us, right? Because he is God and he said, I did this as an example. Now I want you to wash one another's feet. Now that you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. And so the questions we ask is, how can we have a serving posture to all people? And how can we serve those we are trying to bless? So as we said, this whole series is about blessing people and how can we serve those we're trying to bless. And the first thing that we have to realize is that Jesus exchanged his crown for an apron. So um, Jesus had a crown, right? This is just a paper crown, but it is a crown. And he exchanged it for an apron. Now we guys know, we all know that apron is a sign of serving, right? So this is my wife's nice apron. You know, she wears it so she doesn't get stuff on her when she's cooking, but he exchanged his crown for an apron. I must choke myself doing that. But the point is, is how can you put aside your crown that you are inevitably born with, which is just embedded in our flesh? How can you identify the crowns that you have in your life and put them aside for an apron? It's a conscious, everyday effort of exchanging our crown for an apron. Jesus did it, and so should we. What would it look like for you to remove your crown and put on an apron? For part of the people, their crown is this. I care what people think. Like, I care way too much about what people think. Or, hey, I paid my dues. I paid my dues. I've washed a lot of feet. I've done this. I'm not doing it anymore. I need to be served now or however it looked. Maybe in your workplace is... Hey, I've I paid my dues. I'm not taking out the trash anymore. That's for somebody else. You know, in church it's like, hey, don't we have people for that? Why are we doing this? Why are we cleaning this? Um, that's beneath me. And the question is, is what, um, what is your crown that would make you say things like that? Like, what's in it for me? I, I don't want people to see me serving in this way. We must be a servant to all people. Um, and we and how can we intentionally lower ourselves how can you intentionally lower yourselves to the point of being a servant to others like ah you know that's sort of hard for us to wrap our mind around sometimes you know um and it starts with uh, number one understand what jesus did here in the upper room but also understand what it means to die to self This concept of dying to yourself is incredibly, incredibly important. And God inevitably wants his church to know what it means to die to themselves and to put themselves last. Look at Luke 9, verse 23. Luke 9, 23 says this. And he said to all, if anybody would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. See, denying yourself or dying to yourself, is a theme of the Christian life. It's saying that, hey, you all feel like you are entitled. You all feel like you have a crown. The point is to put off your crown, don't care what people think, and serve others. <clears throat> Dying to yourself. You want to know why there are fights and marriages? Is because usually fights and marriages stem from seeds of selfishness that haven't been dealt with or maybe one person or both are both wearing crowns in marriage and they haven't quite taken their crowns off so they feel i deserve this i deserve this my needs aren't being met and neither one of them is willing to put down their crown for an apron and so that's when the headbutting and the fighting starts i need i deserve this what causes fights in workplaces it's seeds of selfishness. It's, I'm not being served. My needs aren't being met. And there isn't this posture of thinking of this other person. And if we go back to the marriage piece, you know, in marriage counseling, what they told Nicole and I is marriage is a contest to see who could outserve one another. Marriage is a contest to see who could outserve one another. And so it's not about me, it's about how am I serving my wife? It's how 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 am I. Serving her. How am I taking care of her? What can I do to bless her? What can I do to serve her not if I get in the mindset of my needs aren't being met? That's when I've crossed over into okay I put myself on a throne and my needs to be met and you're like, but that's not fair because I have needs and they aren't being met. I understand (laughs) I understand right in the workplaces What if I have needs in the workplace that aren't being met and I'm not getting any respect and nobody's looking out for me and I'm being mistreated and I'm being this? And that's where I just go back to Jesus. He said, if anybody would have to come after me, let him deny himself. He says, let him die to himself. And so as a Christian life, we are always practicing this habit of, I'm just going to die to myself. There's been times I've wanted to say X, Y, and Z, But I said, for the sake of my work, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of my marriage, I am going to put my needs to the side and serve them. That's the remedy. That's the cure for all these seeds of selfishness. And look at what Paul talked about. He wrote the church in Philippi, and he told them in the book of Philippians how to die to yourself. And this is what Christians, like, if we learn to do this well, we will be in a lot better shape. Number one, we'll be reaching more people for Christ. We'll have better marriages. We'll be better parents. We'll be better in the workplace. So look what it says here in Philippians chapter 2. It says, do do nothing out of what? Yes. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value, value others above yourself. And so... In our marriages, we're saying that she is more valuable than me, he is more valuable than me, and I'm putting him first. In our workplaces, I'm last. Everybody else comes before me. That is hard. That requires what the Bible says, die to yourself, crucify your flesh, deny yourself, and it's constantly putting others first. So he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. In verse 4, not looking, not looking to your own interest or your own needs, but each one of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as who? Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself what? Christ, who is God, made himself nothing. He made himself nothing while he was here on earth. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the death, even death on a cross. He exchanged his crown of glory for a servant's apron. And us, not even, like, number one, we're not Jesus. We're not God. We, we never had that. And he said, always, always, always be conscious about lowering yourself to serve others. It doesn't mean talking negative about yourself. It doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It just means thinking about yourself a lot less right? There's a big difference between thinking less of yourself and thinking about yourself less. It's like, you know what? I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to put other people's people first. And it starts with dying to self. But you know what? Serving doesn't always make worldly sense. Would you guys agree with that? Have you guys ever served somebody and somebody look at you like you're crazy? Like, why are you doing that? Why'd you do that? Why are you always the last in line every time there's something? Why are you offering to let other people, you know, take vacation at work before, like why are you always putting other people first? And sometimes the world doesn't always understand that. But we don't operate by the worldly standards. I remember one time I went over to my sister's house, and this is around the holidays, like between Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas, and what she would do is since she, like all of us, a lot of us, she had like Amazon and UPS drivers at her house all the time, she put this, like, basket on her front porch with a, and she made a sign that said, hey, here's snacks and drinks for the UPS driver, right? So the mailman and UPS driver would have snacks when he came to their house, you know, to grab a granola bar. And I was over there talking to her, and I thought that was really cool. And I'm like, that's a nice way to serve and just be Jesus to these Amazon drivers. And um, the neighbor was over, and he just happened to be walking by, and he said, why are you doing that? He's like, those people get paid enough why are you doing that? And she was kind of like, well, i just, you know, trying to be nice and just, you know, be, be a good human on earth. And the, the neighbor almost made her feel stupid for doing that. And I'm just, and he's like, why are you doing that? What's, what's the point of that? And number one, that's a difference between a, a Christ-centered mindset where I'm going to help out my fellow man or woman without any advantage. And the other person's like, what's in it for me? Like the world can't see when we serve that you get nothing out of it except for jewels in heaven. What do you get out of it? You think he's going to bring you a gift? No. You think he's going to bring you an extra package? No. It's like we're doing it because I, she was valuing her UPS driver more than herself. And if you knew that your UPS driver um, was like, you know, for the day was going to be the president or something, and you'd bring him a gift and be like, wow, this is really cool, because you value him more than, you know, then you just value more than the typical EPS driver. But the Bible says value all people more than yourself. And so I thought that was pretty awesome. But the world is not going to understand when you serve people because they're not thinking along the same lines. Um, but um, that is why serving is part of this bless rhythms because when you are reaching out to people who don't know Jesus and you offer to bless them by serving them, it's like a shock to the system. Does that make sense? Like, if my sister and my brother-in-law serve that neighbor out of the blue and do something nice for him, it's going to be a shock to the system. Why are you doing this for me? You know, I don't, you don't owe me anything. Like, why are you doing this for me? And it, it's a shock to the system, but it points people to Jesus. We learned about this when we started the blessed rhythms is let your good deeds be done before men that they may give glory to heaven it means that like do your good deeds to one another serve them that they may glorify Jesus so the last two points here and then I'll be done is the first is this be attentive to serving be attentive to serving Um, every day when we're doing the blessed rhythms we have a put on a posture of serving so when you are eating with people, when you are praying for people, when you are listening to people, you are going to be conscious of their needs. And so when they share their needs, you know, you will be able to serve them. And that's why the blasphem starts with pray for people, listen to people, eat with people, so you can see what their needs are. And it's actively listening um, what they need. How can I serve you? Somebody's pregnant and about to give birth, what can you do? What are things that we could do? them a meal? What? You know, yeah. Isn't that intruding? Absolutely not. I don't know if any of you guys, you know, you know, if if you guys, those that have kids, you know, people brought you a meal. It was awesome because you didn't feel like cooking for about a couple weeks after you gave birth. (laughs) And life is crazy adjusting. So that's an awesome way. You find out somebody at your work is doing this. Hey, let me make you a meal. Okay, I'm gonna drop it off. Someone has a, uh, a bunch of kids and their marriage is tense and you're listening and you hear that their marriage is struggling, you say, how about this? Drop your kids off at our house and you guys go out for a date night. That's serving. Um, being present um, when people ask for help. When somebody asks for help, says yes. If somebody sounds stressed, help them. Visit somebody and spend time with them as a way to serve them. Also, praying for people is a way to serve them. And my encouragement to all of us as Christians, You know, be in the habit of instead of saying, hey, I'm going to pray for you, but actually stop and pray for them right then and there. That's the thing I always like to challenge our church. Instead of saying, I'll pray for you, is actually pray for them right there on the phone or in person. And lastly, the proximity of serving. Um, Start with those closest to you. Start with those closest to you. Many times we want to, like, serve our neighbors and love our neighbors, and we try hard at that, but we neglect our spouses, and we neglect our children, or we neglect the people that are absolute, or our parents, our people that are closest to us. And so we know that we are supposed to start with our family. We need to serve them first. I remember, I think a couple days ago, my children were fighting a little bit, and I encouraged them to, lo- I said, like, "Hey, you know, we got to love and serve our neighbors." And they're like, "He's not my neighbor. He's my brother." <laughs> and you know what I said? all the more. It's all the more, right? It's like saying, you know, she's not my neighbor, she's just my wife. It's like, hey, we're supposed to, we're all the more, our wife, our husbands, our children, our parents, our, those that are closest to us, those are the people in our home that we need to serve first before we just start thinking about serving our neighbors. The Bible says that the man who doesn't provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. And you think, hey, I work, I provide, it's not just providing money. It's providing protection. It's providing love. It's your presence in your family. It's providing those things is what makes us better than the unbelievers. And so once you love the people in your own house well, then you go out and serve your church family, and then you serve those that you're trying to bless. Whoever God has put in your path, and so that's what the blessings are about. Whatever neighborhood you're in, whatever workplace you're in, wherever you find yourself, pray for those people who don't know Jesus, listen to them, find opportunities to eat with them, and then serve them. And as followers of Jesus, we must have the posture of serving. So what I want you to do is in the pew in front of you, there should be, or next to you, there should be your homework for the week. I want us to get that out for a second. I've been giving you guys homework every week if you're not doing it or you can't have if you missed a week literally just think about these and ways that you could do them in the future and it's to get our brains thinking so as you look at these sheets let me borrow one in the front row real quick um here's your blessed homework um, as you look at this list of ways that you could serve people does God bring anybody to your mind of the ways that you could serve people? Does any of these spark anything in your mind? So I just want to take a moment. Um, number one is find little ways to acknowledge important events, birthdays, anniversaries, etc. Offer to take care of a tangible need, providing meals, raking leaves, shoveling snow, babysitting. Do a service project with someone you are praying for. Um, You may even have the opportunity to share why you serve others. Um, Run an errand for someone. Keep somebody company that's lonely. Be a listening ear. Send a greeting card. Um, Do not miss the big needs. One of the best ways that I found that we could serve people that we're praying for is when there's a funeral in their family to show up. I don't know if any of you have been through a funeral you know that when people show up, even if it's for two minutes, means the absolute world. It means the absolute world. And I know that when my grandparents passed away um, and somebody showed up, like one of our friends showed up, who never even met our grandparents, and my thought is, why are you here? You know, like in my flesh or in my mind, like, why are you here? They're just coming to support you and to love you. And so when you have a coworker, whose mom died and you never met their mom and you barely know your coworker, but you're praying for them. To go to that funeral and stop in for literally two minutes, sign the guest book, go up to them, shake their hand and say, I'm praying for you, I'm sorry about your loss, means the absolute world. And I I just encourage you guys to not miss those opportunities to support friends like that. Give or lend someone, invite someone you meet to a worship service. Um, or another church activity and introduce them to others and offer to pray with them here are ways so what i want to encourage you guys is people in your lives who don't know jesus what are ways that you can serve them this week and as christians die to ourselves we're we aren't even thinking about our needs but we are purposely thinking about all the needs of those around us first let's pray god uh it's hard for us to put ourselves second because our needs are such the forefront of our minds and they occupy so much of our minds because we know when we have needs that aren't being met. But I pray, God, that we put ourselves to the side and we think of others. God, I pray that. The only need that we focus on ourselves is our need to be connected to you in prayer, in intimacy, of just walking close to you. We keep that strong and God, everything else, we we, we think about other people. What are they going through? God, give Jericho Road the gift of empathy so we are empathetic to everybody's needs. That we are present in their lives. And God, every day we wake up, we put others first. And God, we find joy in serving others. That it's not a burden, it's not a pain, God, but we find joy in putting other people before ourselves. Help us be servant minded, God. And help us reach the world through serving others. So, God, we thank you. And we love you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.